0: Welcome to the celebration of Radhashtami here at ISKCON of Silicon Valley. The day today is Radhashtami. This is the celebration of the appearance of Srimati Radharani, who is the eternal Shakti of Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, through whom all those who practice bhakti yoga. And those who don't, knowingly or unknowingly, are connected to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Of course, as with Krishna, who expands himself into many different forms, <speaking in> Ramadi <Hebrew> na krishna swayam samavavat Parama govinda Krishna has unlimited avatars or expansions that come from him in myriad forms. So similarly, his consort Shakti Radharani also expands herself first into the Queens of Dorka and then to the Lakshmis and Vaikuntha, and then into Durga the in the material world. So that's what I mean by everyone's serving Srimati Radharani directly, indirectly, knowingly, or unknowingly. In the material world, our movements are troubled because of being improperly positioned. But in the practice of bhakti yoga we align ourselves with the facilitator of all service to Krishna, Srimati Radharani, and by doing so we feel complete and whole and our service is passed up to Krishna. And when we're able to serve Krishna, as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, bhoktaram yagya tapasam, if you offer whatever uh, happiness, whatever kinds of service you're doing to me, then naturally, you'll feel aligned. And in this song, we heard Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, Jeev say, Krishnadasa e Bishvas korle to artukunai. If you just align in this way and say, I am a servant of Krishna, you want to try it? First, let me tell you the benefit. He said, then you'll be free from all misery. This is the way to rise above the torture of the material world. The torturous mind and the changing circumstances are not very much to our liking. Or maybe I'm wrong. Do you like it? Not very much. <laughs> so he says, "Jeev krishna das ebi to adukonai. If you just make this declarative statement and mean it from your heart, then you can become free from all misery. I am a servant of Krishna. You want to try it? Okay, go ahead. Now you have full knowledge you can say it. I am a servant of Krishna. Do you feel better? Yes. Okay. (laughs) No more misery for you. (laughs) Just keep saying it. And the best way to say it is in the next song we're going to sing, which is the most recommended prayer for worshiping uh, Radharani and Krishna. And it's in the form of a mantra that can be passed on in the form of song, and people can dance to it. In fact, they do everywhere. There are musicals made about it. People write uh, volumes about this very simple song, but it has so much in it. How much? Everything. The whole spiritual world and the process for worshiping God is here and with this song. Shall we try it? Okay. So let's do it. We'll start with a a couple... um, of prayers. And then we'll chant this secret mantra, which today, for the first time, we're revealing here at this kind of Silicon Valley. No one's heard it before. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, "Mahatmanas tu manparta daivim ashrita. That, uh, those who are great souls, that is, they're li- very Uh, compassionate, they're giving and uh, non-envious types of personalities Uh, take shelter of the divine energy so in the Bhagavad Gita this is a general term but it's given more meaning in the Srimad Bhagavatam in which we hear about how Every living entity is actually a part of Krishna. Of course, this is there in the Bhagavad Gita also. Krishna says, mamai vamsho jiva loke, jiva bhuta sanatana, manakshasthan indriyani, prakriti stani That every living being, how many living beings are in here today? Raise your hand if you're a living being. That's a really good part of self-realization to know that. <laughs> Because sometimes people forget they're living beings and they think that they're matter. This is a a psychological uh, default, uh, default position here in the material world. That by association with matter, one can then start to identify with it. Should I give an example? Okay. Have you ever been driving in your car or not and have it hit or scratched? or the window smashed in? How did you feel? Great? Happy? (laughs) I'm not getting as much emotion as I thought I'd get out of this. Sad? It's hard to tell, because with masks on during the pandemic, everything's muted. All the emotions, I can't see your faces, and I don't know if you're crying or what. People cry and feel bad. And um, how many cars are being hit right now on the 101 freeway? Approximately how many Guess 10. Do you feel bad? No. (laughs) Why not? It's not your car. But actually, if you look at it from a really high position, confirmed. (laughs) None of them are our cars. They're, um, they're all made of the same material elements, glass and metal and some other stuff. But because I say it's my car, I, I, I lament when it's hit. It's trouble for me. And in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, mm-hmm. that when we look at the world as living beings, and you all admitted you are, and then we look at matter and we think, this is my matter, whatever it may be. Then I develop a Sangha with it. It becomes part of me, and it becomes a problem for me, actually. That's why there are people known as nyanis who figure this out, that actually I'm not part of this material world. In fact, there's a statement that may astound you in the ancient Vedic literatures. We'd like to uh, welcome everyone who's joined us on the internet. Please uh, greet them and all our friends on the internet. Haribo. Thank you very much for tuning in. I think I forgot where I was. Anyone? Where? Yes, I was gonna tell you a statement that will astound you. And you'll never be the same when you hear this. In fact, everywhere you go, you'll feel happy. You'll have uh, a spring in your step. And if somebody yells at you, did anybody ever yell at you? Did you feel bummed out? You won't feel bummed out anymore when you hear this. After, you'll be inoculated. Maybe I shouldn't bring that up. Um, So, Living being, and you're all living beings, we already figured out, you're not part of this material world. In fact, you have nothing to do with it. It's not yours, nothing to see here. Don't worry about it. Feel better? How much? On a scale of one to ten? Ten is out of ten? Hundred and eight. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> means you don't have any sangha here. There's no connection. You can just keep moving on. Of course, if you have that perspective, you can w- move about the world in a more enlightened way and not say, this is all mine. You can think instead, all this is paraphernalia to be used in service. And that's the beginning philosophy of bhakti yoga as given by Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita, where he says, yat koroshi adashnashi as johosi dadasi yad, Whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you offer, give away, do it as an offering unto. And whatever austerity you perform, do it as an offering to me. And what happens is we start to move about the world without the normal anxiety that we might have. Now, this is something this meanings, this perspective, and this kind of connecting everything to the Supreme through service and offering it leads somewhere. It leads to uh, an expansion of the heart. And remember I started talking about the Mahatma? Maha means big, and Atma means a soul, a living being, the the conscious force within the body that has emotions and Once uh, one starts to give purposefully to the Supreme, then one will notice that I'm a bigger person. I feel more expansive in, in heart. I feel empowered and happy because I'm not identifying with matter and letting it weigh me down and thinking that these are all my things and I have a connection with them and therefore they're a big weight on my head. So, as one continues this, one may look to emulate those who perform more and more refined kinds of service. Because you may become, we may become, attached to the feeling we get when we give in service to the Supreme. And therefore, Krishna recommends in in the 12th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, that you can begin just by starting to volunteer your time somewhere to be charitably disposed to others, to think about how to do good for others, because then you'll begin the process of expansion in your heart. Now, in the science of bhakti yoga, we find out that there's a whole world in which people are dedicated to this way of life and it's called the spiritual world i mean that's one name for it this world is for people who want to try to get stuff for themselves and they're trying really hard especially here in silicon valley right everyone would like to have their stuff and put a fence around it and say don't come in because it's all my stuff and if you come in then You know, we have the right to shoot you. Or my dog might bite you. However, there's another world where everyone sees that everything is paraphernalia to be used in service to the Supreme, and therefore they have no anxiety. And there's a lot of them. They all live together. That's the spiritual world. So which place would you rather live? material world where everyone puts a fence around their stuff and dogs bite you if you try to walk in their yard. Or would you rather live in a world where everyone thinks about others and how to give more and how to do more service to the Supreme? i take your choice. It's a democratic system here, so you can vote. And there's a recall after that, too, if in case you need it. Okay, so who wants to stay in the material world? I got to do more campaigning. Okay, who wants to go to the spiritual world? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Raise your hand if you want to go. Okay, I think that's almost the unanimous. One in the back's not going. Two. Okay, one. <laughs> so, the spiritual world is actually personal. Some people think there's. Besides the Earth planet, there's no people or live or life anywhere. Everything evolved from a pile of sand. Sand was sitting there, and some rain hit it, and then there was some electronic impulse from a lightning bolt, wherever that came from. And next thing you know, there was frogs and then people. <laughs> and it all happened you know, within a few million years, and I can't tell you the steps, but that's... And then there's nothing else besides that anywhere in the universe. And then there's no spiritual world either, because everything's random. However, the, the, the Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam, explain actually, that there is a spiritual world beyond this world. And this world is a reflection of the spiritual world. So in the spiritual world there, there's a main attraction. And the main attraction is love. But love doesn't happen uh, in the air. Can you love the air? Well, you kind of do a little bit. Uh. (laughs) I mean, I'm kind (laughs) of attached. (laughs) I think I'll appreciate it a lot more someday. But it's hard to love the sky, although you can write a poem about it. But usually when you write a poem about the sky, well, look, take kids. If you take kids in kindergarten and you ask them to draw a picture of the moon, they're likely to put a face on it, right? And uh, a house even. you will put a house and you will put a little face on the house. It's like, yeah, Mr. House. Well, that's what the spiritual world's like. Everything's personal. And in the spiritual world, there's... A loving exchanges between all the devotees. And there's uh, the supreme person who's so attractive that everybody wants to live with him on the same planet or to have an opportunity to see him. Like famous people in this world, people just want to get close and so they want to see. And in the spiritual world, the most famous person lives and... Also, he has other qualities, too, like the most beautiful. What others? Do you know anybody like this in this world? Has these? Nobody? You know any famous people? And they're wealthy and beautiful and strong and renounced and knowledgeable. Okay, well, Krishna has all these qualities. He lives in the spiritual world. And um, so, with very famous, wealthy people, oftentimes there are well, or what's called—what do they call those guys who follow them around with cameras? Paparazzi. Yeah, because they want to know what are they doing, right? Like he just walked out of the house, he bought a croissant and some orange juice, and walked back in. It's like, wow, that's big news. <laughs> And I got a picture of meeting the croissant. He's eats croissants. <laughs> so in the, in the spiritual world, there's the most famous person, God, Krishna. He has all the attractive qualities. And people would like to see him and find out more about him. Well, there's a lot written about him and what he looks like. There are even pictures. And in the spiritual world, uh, people are really satisfied because unlike the famous people in this world who end up with some kind of scandal, sometimes it's the very end of their life when the stat, day before the statute of limitations runs out and somebody files a complaint says, so actually, this person is yeah, a bad person. Uh, in the spiritual world, there's a unlimited happiness because there's a supreme person who has all qualities that we're really looking for, that attract us, and uh, they're always increasing. So, if one is a spiritual paparazzi, what's the singular for paparazzi? Anybody know? Better research it. Then uh, one would want to know also, uh, who does this person spend time with? And so, in the topmost planet of the spiritual world, called Goloka Vrindavan. I know I'm skipping a lot of evidence. I'm just assuming a lot. But in the topmost planet of the spiritual world is called Goloka Vrindavan. The Supreme Person resides. And we have information about uh, his, uh, what he does and who he's attracted to. He's attracted to, and what gives him pleasure, is Srimati Radharani. So the question comes up amongst very highly elevated uh, and self-realized souls in discussing the spiritual world that what must be the qualities of that person if the supreme person who has all qualities unlimitedly and they're always expanding has an attraction to someone particular What must that person be like? And so the the Srimad Bhagavatam hints at that person who is the most attractive, who attracts even the mind of the Supreme Person who is the origin of everyone, who also happens to be his eternal expansion, his Shakti, is Srimati Radharani. So there is a secret to practicing bhakti yoga because, as it turns out, Sri Radharani, Krishna's expansion, is kind-hearted and extremely merciful to others. And her interest is in seeing that other people get the benefit of performing devotional service to Krishna. And therefore, when we chant our mantra, we discussed the secret mantra that we were given. And now we're starting to leak it out in different places around the Silicon Valley, tell people about it. The first word of the mantra is Hare. And that's the vocative form of hara, which means the supreme mother figure, who is Srimati Radharani. And so when we chant Hare Krishna, we're addressing the supreme beginning with his most uh, concentrated love interest in the spiritual world who's all-compassionate and by whom we can become empowered in devotional service. So we say, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And this is a complete way of offering a prayer to Srimati Radharani and Krishna together, asking for service. Oh, my Lord, oh, energy of the Lord, Radharani, please engage me in your service. So on Radashtami, we remember the importance of chanting Hare Krishna and also the mood of selfless service that Srimati Radharani exhibits in the spiritual world, if we emulate that, then we'll also be perfectly situated in devotional service and be able to advance towards the ultimate goal of life which is to become a mahatma, a great-hearted person, full of compassion and love for all living entities just like Srimati Radharani. And now I'd like to mention that we have with us today, one of the um, devotees who started the Hare Krishna movement in a very profound way. Uh, Her name is Malati Devi Dasi, and she is um, one of Prabhupada's first disciples in the Hare Krishna movement, who actually started a temple uh, here in San Francisco, and then uh, went to London and met the Beatles and the started the Hare Krishna movement there. And I was wondering if you could say a few words about the um, Radhashtami and how Srila Prabhupada celebrated it and any uh, realizations you'd like to pass on to the devotees here. And if you would, please come up here. you'd like her to come up here, then you just give a a round of applause. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thank you.
1: You mentioned realization. That's the part that's missing (laughs) from my life. But I can comfortably sit here and mention a few things. Please. That was, because you mentioned England, and you mentioned, um, anyway. The first large Radhakrishna deities were installed in England by Śrīla Prabhupāda, large marble Krishna named Radha london On August 29, 1969, was the first radhāstami in London, and of course it was around the world, but in London was the only place we had large Radha Krishna deities. And you were wondering how that Radhashtami was celebrated. So even though I was there, I wasn't there. And I'll explain. Because, you know, you do a lot of things like cooking on Radhashtami. So I was in the kitchen. And I had a small child. And she was about one year, three and a half months. And she came to England with us. She was you know, six weeks old when we took off. So the temple in London at that time on Berry Place was quite small, and there was stairs from each floor to the next. And the kitchen was in the basement. And uh, this little girl, Saraswati, Somehow, ran down those stairs and ran into the kitchen, where a big pot of rata red. How many people here know rada red? Yeah, the old people, the old people know. The young, the young people better should learn this. You know, it was a chutney. It was made out of plums, and there was never ever a rata stummy feast without rata red. But this was the first one. And this little girl, Saraswati, ran down the stairs, ran into the kitchen where a big pot of red had been placed on the floor coming off the stove, and she fell into this big pot. I very quickly pulled her out, but it was flaming hot, and so I had to take her to the hospital, and therefore I missed everything that was going on in the temple. The person who had cooked the Radharad Red Chutney, when she witnessed this, said, Now we can't offer it. That was it. But when I came back from the hospital and everything was all over, I was told, Prabhupada wants to see you. And the first thing he asked, and he was the only person who asked, was, How is Saraswati? Is she all right? So for me, Rādhāstami is about caring. Prabhupāda was always caring. And Rādhārāṇī was also caring. Caring for her friends wanting them, also, to have a taste of Krishna's wonderful love. So in those early days, early days means 67, 68. Um, the first temples, there was a sign. The first one was at the Matchless Gifts, that little storefront that became, 20 that was 26 Second Avenue, and it became our first temple. And there was a sign, Radha Krishna Temple. So when we began the chapter in San Francisco, which is where I entered into the picture, we also wrote that sign, Radha Krishna Temple. But we had no idea who was Radha. So Prabhupada came, and um, that was one of the first questions after the initiation, the first initiation, which is where I also took initiation, myself, Shan Sundar, Hari Das, and Harsharani. One of the questions Who is Radharani? And because we were, um, you, you couldn't even call us neophytes, pre neophyte, maybe might have even been generous. And Prabhupada was looking at these young people. And then he said, Radha is Krishna's girlfriend. <laughs> Something we could understand. But he, he mentioned she was not an ordinary girl. And he explained to us that if we wanted to become connected to Krishna, the best way was through Radharani. And if she was pleased by our service, Prabhupada indicated with his hand, she would tug on Krishna's shirt sleeve and say, This person, take this person. Oh. So this was our introduction to Radharani. But when Radha Paras Ishwara, I'm sorry, Radha London Ishwara were installed, he was explaining to us, as he had explained in a letter to Satsaroop, how we worship Radha and Krishna. It's also in a letter to um, Dayananda Prabhu. There's several references to this. That we worship Radha and Krishna in the mood of Lakshmi Narayan, which means in a mood of formality, Aishwarya, some awe and reverence. And just like we see today this very distinguished form of Srimati Radharani with her benedicting hands. So we should seek that benediction by not becoming overly familiar with her and being very reverential when we approach her, as Srila Prabhupada taught us. Another instruction he gave us which I see is kind of nowadays not always being followed, because probably they don't know. Um, I see pictures which are, there's a woman, so I understand they're intending Radharani, but Krishna's not in the picture. So that happened, and Prabhupada nipped it right away, that we should never depict her without Krishna, because people will see, or they may see, an ordinary woman. And when a person sees an ordinary woman and they're ordinary people, then their mentality is to enjoy, because she's so beautiful. But if they see her with Krishna, they'll understand, oh, she belongs to that person. So this was um, an instruction that when we depict Radharani, it should always be with Krishna. Now, if there is some pastime where she's with her sakis, her girlfriends, that's another thing. But just to have a picture of Radharani alone without Krishna it was not a, um, advised by His Divine Grace. I don't have realizations to speak. And today I heard a wonderful—I um, like to say lecture, <laughs> you know—but a wonderful lecture because that's the word we have um, by His Holiness Radhana Swami. And he was giving very deep understandings about Shimati Radharani coming from the Chaitanya Charitamrita, as yesterday you were. And I was really appreciating it yesterday that you were reminding, this is very deep, and you might not want to hear it, and if you might, if you don't think so, then cover your ears, just so that we wouldn't hear it in a um, cheap way and become infatuated by the language that we should always remember. Shimatirada Rani is the original Just like Krishna, everything is coming from him. So, all the other goddesses of fortune, all the other Lakshmis, they're emanations from Srimati Radharani, so that we can just consider how exalted Srimati Radharani is and always strive to please her so that she may tug on Krishna's shirt sleeve on our behalf. Hare Krishna.
0: Thank you very much for gracing our community by coming here. We so deeply appreciate all the service that you've done for all of us since the very beginning. We probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you and your... Oh, no, don't give her the mic. The pioneering spirit. (laughs) And thank you very, very much for coming to ISV on a regular basis. We're so happy to see you here and and hear from you. Hare Krishna.
1: When you talk about service, I haven't done any service. I've just happened to be among really amazing devotees who do do service. And I'm begging that someday I may get that mood of service before I leave. And I don't have a lot of time left. So I'm begging the blessings of all these beautiful devotees here who you are nurturing and training that I may somehow follow in their footsteps of service. And in particularly, um, your good wife, Nirkula Devi Dasi, who's, for me, the epitome of service.
0: Thank you. <laughs> We heard a description of the mood of Srimati Radharani and how... Prabhupada describes that one should approach Srimati Radharani and try to please her. He says in the purport we read this morning that that's why in Vrindavan everyone prays to Srimati Radharani. And her mood is that this person is better than me. Krishna, please accept. And um, you can see that you've imbibed the mood of Srimati Radharani. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. In just a few minutes, we're going to have uh, an Abhishek. The, uh, The teachings of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu are to acquaint us with the mood of the spiritual world in which... Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, has special loving relationships with his devotees that are devoid of the obstacle of awe and reverence. That is, when there is a sense that God is present, everyone becomes a little bit Nervous. Well, I could say going to the cathedral in Montreal. I think it's called Notre Dame. It's a gigantic cathedral. And Prabhupada went there so I decided while I was in Montreal that I would stop in also. Were you there, Malty? 2016 when they had the 50th
1: celebration. So... At that time, I had the good fortune to go to that cathedral. But when we went through Montreal on our way to London, it was um, two things happening, Janmasthami and Sheila Prabhupada's appearance day. So that was our focus.
0: Oh, Nice. We went inside and we read the transcript of what Prabhupada said when he was in there. And when I walked into the cathedral, I immediately... It put the fear of God in me. Have you ever heard that phrase? And I felt that. It's such a a, um, imposing building. And when you walk in, it's so opulent and huge that I immediately had a a feeling of the presence of God in his uh, all-pervasive feature. And also felt a oh, I'm really a sinner, <laughs> I shouldn't be in here. And there's, there's a way in which, in some environments in which people worship God, there's a very acute sense of His being the Supreme. And in those cases, there is a diminishment of the sweetness that we find in Vrindavan, which is Krishna's hometown, where the residents are not aware of His grandeur. In fact, they don't know that He's the Supreme. And Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is described in our Vedic scriptures as Radha and Krishna combined, Sri Krishna Chaitanya Radha Krishna Nahayanya, comes to teach about that very special realm in the spiritual world where the devotees relate to Krishna in various kinds of uh, relationships like servitude and friendship and the parental relationship and also the relationship of being a lover. All the kinds of relationships we see in this world are reflections of what's in the spiritual world. And as described in our scriptures, the topmost of all those relationships is called madhurya. It means the sweet, sweetest relationship. So as described in this book called the Sri Taitanya Charitamrita, the author, Kaviraj Goswami, describes how Krishna is more pleased when he's chastised by his lovers who, in a mood of scolding him, say things that may sound a little harsh as lovers say things in a quarrel. And he says these are more pleasing to him or they attract his mind away from the reverent hymns of the Vedas. And there are ways in which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu talked about his relationship with his friends in Goloka Vrindavan so that the friends are playing with Krishna as an equal, sometimes wrestling and claiming defeat. You're not so strong. I can beat you. And this is just ordinary if it's between ordinary people. But if it's between the Supreme Personality of Godhead and His devotees, and the strength and the grandeur of the Supreme is hidden. There's a sweetness to it, and that's the sweetness of Vrindavan that's described by Kaviraj Goswami. And also about Srimati Radharani, who, as Prabhupada described as Krishna's girlfriend, there is this sense there in Goloka Vrindavan of this ongoing loving relationship with Srimati Radharani that is Capturing the minds of everyone in Vrindavan. So when you go to um, Vrindavan on this earth, it's the embassy, just as we have embassies around the world. And once when I was in Calcutta, I had to take care of some issue with my passport or visa. I went to the embassy and when I walked in, I saw that behind the glass, everything was from America. There was Arrowhead water. All the snacks were from America. (laughs) Nothing Indian at all. Right behind the thick glass. There were U.S. Marines, and everything was American. They flew everything in, and it was all set up just the way it would be in America. Behind the glass on the other side was Calcutta. Which I got quite accustomed to. I like Calcutta and lived there for some time. And uh, when I heard the example about the special places on this earth that are embassies from the spiritual world, and then I went to Vrindavan, I realized what Prabhupada meant by that. And that is when you go into Vrindavan, you can feel for yourself the sweetness of the place. And who would imagine that the topmost area of the spiritual world as described in the brahma samhita goloka Namni nija damne chaleta tasya devi mahesha haridama te te prabhava nicheya vihitashchayena govinda purusham damaham bajami he describes as brahma a hierarchy in this world that lowest of all is devi dam Devi Dam is the boat of Durga. Does everybody know how, what Durga looks like? She's a little fearsome, right? She rides on a, a lion, and she holds a. And so there's three points on the trident. What do they represent? Threefold miseries. So if one misery doesn't get you, and then another one will. <laughs> That's where we live. So. Above that is Maheshdam, the boat of Mahesh. It's kind of partway between the material and the spiritual worlds. Above that is Haridam. Haridam means Vaikuntha. That's where uh, Narayan and Lakshmi. Lakshmi and Narayan reside there in their opulence. Narayan has how many hands? Four hands, right? And then above that is Goloka. Krishna's Nijadam. Nija means personal, it's his personal place. So, God's personal place is there in the topmost planet called Goloka Vrindavan. And there, uh, Krishna is at home. So, there's a difference between the way that we act when we're at work. Well, of course, not that much anymore, right? <laughs> I mean, even before the pandemic, everyone just shows up in sneakers. But in the old days, kids, uh, people used to wear ties <laughs> and they would go to, they would put on their best uh, clothes and, and go to work. And then when they come home, they relax and they wear something more casual. And so in the spiritual world, in the topmost planet, Krishna doesn't wear shoes. You'll notice... Uh, Madan Mohan and that Krishna's barefoot. He's also playing a flute. And someone asked Prabhupada once what it meant that Krishna plays a flute. And Prabhupada said, it means that he's all play and no work. Because, you know, do you see anybody in Silicon Valley walking around with bare feet and a flute? <laughs> or going to the office? You have to dress up for that stuff. So, there, Krishna is with... Srimati Radharani, and all of his friends, and it appears to be just a little village. Although, it's the most expansive place anywhere. Uh, if you take all of the material worlds put together, and they're tiny size compared to the spiritual sky, and if you take all the Vaikuntha planets put together, They don't equal the size of Goloka Vrindavan, which is always, always expanding. But in the mood there, it's a small village. And the reason that it's so expansive is because of the outpouring of love. The cows and the animals and all the people, everyone is submerged in this mood of loving service to Krishna. And it's described in the Brahma Samhita, Sriakanta kanta parama purusha kalpataravu Dramabhumishintamani Ganamayitoyamritam Kataganam Natyam Gamanamapibam Shi Priyasaki. That there is constant music in the spiritual world. In fact, Krishna has not just Srimati Radarani as a girlfriend, but he has billions. Actually, that's just a number of the inner circle, but they're unlimited uh, gopis who are more beautiful than goddesses of fortune. And they're all there serving Krishna out of love. And they're all singing. In fact, how many of you know the science of raga? Study it a little bit. Padanisa. Right? And then there are different scales. And uh, they're ragas. And each one of them has a different mood. Did you know that every one of the gopis who's an associate of Krishna, a servant of Krishna in the spiritual world, has her own raga, original raga. And that's where all the ragas in this world come from. Do you know billions of them? There are billions of them. This is written in the Srimad Bhagavatam about the spiritual world. And what's being described is how uh, everyone's singing. Have you ever been so happy you just wanted to sing? Recently? (laughs) Yeah? Yeah. So in the spiritual world, people feel like that all the time. They're always singing about something. Sometimes they're singing because we like different flavors. Like Shakespeare, he wrote different plays. Some of them were more historical. Some of them are comedies. And others are tragedies. Because you don't want to hear funny stuff all the time. Sometimes you want to hear something sad, right? Yeah? So, yeah. So (laughs) there are songs that are melancholy in the spiritual world where... The the devotees uh, remembering Krishna and feeling separation from it. Have you ever felt separation from someone? And then, like, you know, you needed some song to, you know, resonate with. You feel better. That's why people write songs. They become hits on the radio because, you know, somebody will sing a song. My dog ran away. (laughs) Girlfriend left me too. (laughs) Got no gas in the car. You know, there are all these songs. People feel melancholy and they sing. This is a perverted reflection in the spiritual world. There's, there are different uh, melodies for uh, connecting to Krishna. And, uh, and many of them happen quite naturally. Like in the village of Vrindavan, the devotees, especially the gopis, they churn butter. because It's the land of cows. Go loka. Land of Cows. And when they're churning, there are bangles. Anybody hear of bangles? Make, make a little noise. Let's hear it. Come on, all together. Little bangle noise. Sounds like that in Galoka. Could you hear that? And so when they're churning, you hear the ching, 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 ching. So there's, there's that, and then they'll start to sing to it. So you do some bangle noise, and then you sing something. Give her the. Give her the mic. Sing a beautiful verse. Ajanurambita bujo. Okay, bangles.
1: Ajanurambita bujo kanaka vadato Sankirtanay kapitaro Kamalaya taksho Vishwambaro dvijavaro Yuga dharma palo Vande priya Jagat
0: priya karo karuna And now we have our window to the spiritual world. Everyone can turn this way. Uh, during the Arctic time and at this particular time on Radashtami, is this, uh, at a, it's a special time just like there's Kumbha Mela. And there's a time at which when you take your bath at the confluence at that time there's a special benediction so uh, we've been waiting for this time at about ten minutes to eight to stop we have um, an opportunity that's carrying over from tomorrow we are engaged right now in a worldwide uh, effort to do something that's never been done before in the history of the world and that's to distribute as one global team of uh, devotees all over the world, 25,000 sets of Srimad Bhagavatam. Previously, the Srimad Bhagavatam was copied by hand and it took months to copy the entire twelve cantos onto palm leaves and some of those editions are still available on the planet they are carefully guarded like Ramananda Roy's copy of Srimad Bhagavatam is in Jagannath Puri, you can go visit it but something happened recently in the history of the world, the industrial revolution along with it came the printing press and originally, the printing press was introduced in order to produce Bibles. It was mass-produced. And then it got more and more refined, and now people print all kinds of stuff. However, the most important literature in the world is the Srimad Bhagavatam. Tadvag visargo janataga Viplavo yasmin prati shlokava vadyavatyapi. Naman Yashon Kitani Yat Gayanti Grananti Sahadava Narda Muni says that this book is meant to re-spiritualize the entire human society and it is directly from the spiritual world it's not of this world tadvag Sargo it doesn't come from the world of, that's created it comes from the world that's not created beyond this world and anyone who hears from this book, anyone who keeps the book in this home, Solinus Jay Maharaj recently brought us a verse, that is us, the the whole world, a verse which describes how if you keep the Srimad Bhagavatam in your home, then your house becomes a place of pilgrimage worshipped by the devas. They have some kind of infrared system. They can look down on the map and see where the radiation is coming from. And they're doing puja. Uh, this is a fact, it's in the Shastra so what we're working towards is a a time and date called Bhadra Bhadra Purnima this is September 20th which is when? it's pretty close we're inching our way towards 25,000 all over the world and we took on we did something crazy here, don't mind I'm going to tell you, we pledged to do at least Two thousand of those twenty five thousand. There's yes, that's a it's a big quota. <laughs> Please come take prasadam. Hare Krishna. Radha red for everybody. vantra the kripa sindave vicha pati thanam bhamani byo bio be byo namona maha nanta kodi jai